This episode is brought to you by the first ever Toyota Corolla Cross. Sometimes everything just clicks. Like when your favorite song comes on at just the right time. When there's two tickets left for the show. When everyone in the crew can agree on what album to listen to. When everything just feels right. That's the feeling of the first ever Toyota Corolla Cross. Available with all-wheel drive, Qi wireless charging, and advanced JBL sound system. It's everything you need. Nothing more, nothing less. Learn more at toyota.com. Alex Carell is one of over 70,000 Google Career Certificate graduates. The Google Career Certificate program completely changed the trajectory of my life. I've always been interested in computers, but I never thought I could turn this into a career. Anytime I got a little break, I just pop open the course on my phone. That allowed me to have that path into a career that I'm passionate about. Train online for in-demand jobs in IT, UX design, data analytics, project management, and more. Visit grow.google slash certificates. In three, two, one. Good evening, honey hole angling. Oh, uh, you put the pressure on yourself did, beforehand. Dude. Right I before did. we hit record, you're like, ah, I don't know what this, how to open. Let's do a redo. But you know what? I liked it though. Yeah, we could do a redo. Play the hit the music again, Zach. You want me to stop the recording? No, no, just, 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 just two music. intros. Two intros. The two intros episode. All right, Cliff. Oh, yes. Here we go. Are you clutch? Are you clutch? Three, yeah. two. Good evening, <laughs> Honey Hole Hangout, and don't forget to smash that like button. Yeah, <laughs> there, like there we that. go. That was nice. good. Redemption. Well, <laughs> welcome to Honey Hole Hangout, where we hang out, talk about hunting, fishing, the great holes. outdoors, and where our secret spots are. No, we don't talk. We, we did a whole podcast on that. We don't talk about that. You don't talk about that. But Unless somebody else's secret spot. Yeah, then you talk about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know all Cliff's secret hunting spots. So no, you don't. You shared your own X with me. <laughs> I know you know where all my secret hunting spots are all on your property. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know more than you. Think Only you know. Cliff Cliff Coward would have like a burner like on X phone <laughs> <laughs> that like only he uses on and like no one else would know. And he's like keeps in the safety deposit box. He's like, Those are my hunting spots. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just shared uh, your property spots with mm-hmm. you. Yeah, that you know of. No, I know no, for a fact. Yeah, no, no, you shared some other spots with me. You didn't. You don't know everything you sent me. I got some public land spots on there. I, I have access to now. We well, had no access way. to them no matter what. But now you know about. Mm-hmm. Now I'll just little... let you stew the whole podcast, and we'll talk about it after. All right. You're stewing. <laughs> I am. What does he know? There what had to know? have been like a really good reason. I'm your friend. No, that ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't just like share it. Well, no, it wouldn't make sense if it shared No, because it, it only shares the waypoint that you send. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, we today we have the normal OG crew, no guests, and it's uh, I'm Landon. We have Cliff, who's the Onyx champ. 
I wouldn't say that at all. <laughs> Zach, who runs the board, and we have Ian, our sparkling water connoisseur, on the phone. Oh, oh man. Texas. What's up, fellas? But I'm going to get the announcements out of the way first. Um, who are we? We're Honey Hole Hangout. We hang out and talk about stuff, requests, things like that. We have I'm a website. I'm really stewing on did I ever see you have a Can you let now? me get through the intro? <laughs> No, you you did not send me your. I won't let you stew anymore. You did not send I me didn't your public address. <laughs> anyway, uh, you guys can check out our website, honeyholeangling.com, Instagram, Facebook, all the same stuff. Uh, we're Honeyhole Hangout for the podcast, which you're listening to. Go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I don't think you can leave reviews on Spotify because some people have tried and they're like, I don't think I can leave a review. But, they're not trying hard enough. Uh, but on Apple Podcasts, that's where all of our reviews have been so far. Yeah. And we did get a one-star review. Oh, what'd they say? Nothing. They just tapped one star, didn't leave a comment. So I'm a little disappointed. That was probably me on accident. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, Ian. 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 Oh. But we're like... Straight five stars and then a one star with no feedback. Gotcha. How many do we have now? Like eight? Eighteen. What? Eighteen. Uh, Eighteen total. Seventeen five stars. Aren't we supposed to do a giveaway now? No. Ten written reviews, uh, which we have like six or seven. Oh, so uh, okay. I gotcha. If you guys go write a review, good, bad, or indifferent, we will read it on air, and you will be entered into a drawing for a prize pack from Kevin, who was on two episodes ago um, with a bunch of goodies that he put together. And then, yeah, we have, like, hats and stickers and all kinds of good stuff on the website if y'all are interested. Particularly Zach's fish mask stickers are pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, I thought we'd be, you know, I thought the mask would be old news by now, but they're rocking and rolling. Yeah, we were like, when we were made those stickers, we were like, oh, we got to get these out quick. This, this is, this is, this <laughs> is going to be, be a fad. This will be done by May. <laughs> this is going to be a fad. And then we're, like, almost at a year. <laughs> and oh, no end in sight, but. Yeah, when did we start this podcast? The podcast in May? This is episode number 25. Hey, this is a milestone episode. Ooh, 25. 25. I can... So not May then. Not May. We started it then in July or August. Yeah. Yeah, I, knew, I remember it being summer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but the stickers and the YouTube stuff started a little sooner. Gotcha. So Yeah, we did. I remember uh, going to Landon's house, sweating everything off and slapping mosquitoes the entire podcast. And listen to the cicadas. Yeah. And cicadas, yeah. yeah. Now we're in a fancy garage and There's no, no mosquitoes. Mm-mm. Just dogs and... Dogs. We do get dogs, dogs barking every now and then. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Wild outdoor sounds. <laughs> Dude, we know that Wood Tip calls them skeeters, like, skeeters. hands down. <laughs> like, I'm just going to tell you that. That's right. Uh, speaking of Wood Tip, we have an email. Yeah, I'll do that. First, all right. This one's called Hot Dog Fishing from listener favorite Wood Tip Pickle Chip. Howdy, boys. Hope y'all are doing well. I mean, it's been a hell of a day here in the South, okay? Things are a little crazy these days, you know what I'm saying? Thankfully, my pump jacks are still doing their thing. Okay, just slow dance the night away. You know what I'm saying? I always make sure to drive over and sit here next to my favorite two pump jacks. When I listen to your boys' show, it's like a South Texas Zen thing for me. The scotch helps too. Glad y'all start the show with a little drinking. I'm glad y'all like the call. It was a little weird. Didn't know what to say. My lady friend says, you boys must not 
have much going on to have an old South Texas rancher like myself on the radio, but you boys are all right. No fooling. Just wanted to take a minute and tell you boys thank you. Pretty good radio podcast y'all got there. Might want to keep folks off the show that don't know much about crayons or jug fishing. Little tip from Wood. <laughs> that was a that was a that was a, a, a slap back to Kevin who said the email was written in crayon. <laughs> uh, little tip from Wood Tip there for y'all. You know what I'm saying. I would like to pick a bone about pig hunting, though. Still not sure y'all really know much about that whole deal. You boys need to get after these South Texas groceries. Keep on the back burner for now from the South Wood Tip. Very nice. If a man's from Texas, he'll tell you, and if he's not embarrassed, if he's not, well. Don't embarrassed by asking him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, you, Wood Tip. Thanks, Wood Tip. I think he's going to call in again. I think it was an email this week. He's still figuring the technology out, but. Something <laughs> tells me he has bad internet connection down there. Yeah, probably. 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 Well, I almost said Spectrum. I meant like, uh, what is it? It's, Netgear. Not Netgear. That's the modem. I don't know, but you're putting a company on blast that we don't know about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, he's, it's good enough for him to uh, get our podcast dinging in when it comes out at like four in the morning on Tuesdays. There you go. He did mention that. Yeah, he's the first listener every Tuesday. <laughs> he comes out and he's waiting. He's like, oh, man. It's, like I, it's like us trying to get that tech game on. Just oh, keep man. on refreshing, hoping for the best. But we got some questions too. Let me. Uh, oh, let's do whiskey real quick. Okay. And Ian, why don't you start us off while we're uh, sipping and sniffing? Sipping and sniffing. Why don't you start us off with your uh, review this week? All right. Um, okay. Um, if you guys don't know, this is a new segment of the podcast called uh, Ian's Sparkling Water Reviews. And this was requested by a listener, which shout out to who requested this. Um, Today we have a Waterloo sparkling water, watermelon flavored. It is 12 ounces, um, naturally flavored with other natural flavors. I guess the redundancy department didn't or approved (laughs) that one, but it's printed on the can. It says naturally flavored with other natural flavors. All right. By Waterloo's sponsorship. It was made. It's distributed by Sparkling Water Corp in Austin, Texas. And the ingredients are purified carbonated water and natural flavors. So let's, uh, I'm going to go ahead and open it here. So if you guys can hear this, uh, did you guys hear that? Freshness. Are you drinking it cold on the rock? Yeah, no. So it's cold. Actually it's room temperature. Um, so, well, you can taste it better, but my house is cold. So we'll say it's cold. Um, so it's got a really cool can with like a. I actually really like the label, and it's got like probably an eighth of a watermelon slice on the front. Um, I bought this at so HEB. So it's watermelon. It is watermelon. Did you I say bought that? this. Yeah, he did. Okay. It is. I bought this at HEB um, on Brody Lane in Austin, Texas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shout out if you want to see the honey hole angling guy in the wild, go to Brody Lane, Dang HEB. Man. Brody Lane, HEB in Austin, Texas. Talk about honey so. holes. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's give it a quick sip, real quick. Hold on, How's we're it done. Smell? It. 
Okay. Um, first thing you taste is um, carbonated water. Um, <laughs> it smells pretty good. Um, it kind of smells like industrial distribution. Um, <laughs> it also smells like like four-time recycled aluminum and cheap manufacturing hold on there's a there's another note coming in here <laughs> it smells like 80 percent markup or 90 <laughs> okay got that out of the way does um, it how's the flavor is it like a a hint of watermelon or is it more of a whisper of watermelon oh uh, I would say a whisper of watermelon, definitely. Is it, like, is it more like I, Jolly Rancher watermelon or like true? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it has to be Jolly Rancher watermelon. Oh, yeah. But it's natural flavors. No, it's natural, it's natural flavors. With natural flavors. <laughs> um, it It is Jolly Rancher. It's kind of, it's like you taste the carbonation in the water up front. And then like in the back of your throat, you get that like. Ooh. watermelon hit watermelon. and you get it up through the nasal passages as well like a covid test so um uh like it just hits like the top of your cranium like all the way up so that it's actually kind of pleasant in a strange kind of way um yeah so um, i it? would say um Okay, we got to do this on the the what? What's the honey hole scale? Okay, uh, watermelon we stopped, we flavor. Sto- we stopped the scale. It's Did just we... gut check out of five. Oh, gut check at five being the best. Yes. Yep. Uh, man, I'm gonna go with a three point seven. Okay. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Would you buy it? Again? So actually, I'm gonna go with a four. Yeah, I would totally buy it again. I prefer Waterloo, the brand. Uh, you a big ABBA fan? LaCroix. A big what? ABBA fan. Do they sing, or like the band, like the yeah. Swedish band? Yeah, they got a song called Waterloo. Oh, do they? Yeah. I think they named it. <laughs> I mean, I do like ABBA, first off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get, let's get that out of the way. Um, I do like them, first off. Second, I think, I want to say, wasn't Austin called Waterloo before they named it after Stephen F. Austin? I think that's where it comes from. I think that was the name of the city. I have no clue. We don't have our Jamie, a.k.a. Jordan, Oh yeah, Look with us tonight. Jamie, pull that, pull that up. Yeah, unfortunately, that's... We do not. We're, we're hiring. Uh, I don't think I ever told him we started back up again after the holidays. <laughs> that might be on me. We'll All right, it. guys. Ian? So, Ian, uh, sounds like a I'm pretty, still here. Sounds, sounds like a pretty good, good review. Yeah, I would recommend it. Um, okay. uh, shout out to HEB. Thank you for providing this. Um, I would say, you know, if Waterloo's listening, fix that naturally flavored with other natural flavors. Like that's, I mean, come on, man. That's just grammatical error. So, all right. Now, but that's just one man's opinion. Now on to the bourbon. Yep. This is a Gabe, uh, donation. <laughs> Thank Again. you, Gabe. Thanks, Gabe. Thanks, Gabe. We owe Gabe like, we need to do something special for him. Yeah, yeah. He's hooking us up with the with the whiskey, Good whiskey making too. our lives easy. I know. We're drinking Weller. Uh, it's it, it's a nice bottle with the green label. Uh, the original weeded bourbon. This is the special reserve, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, forty five percent alcohol by volume, ninety proof. Um, 
and uh, Weller is pretty popular right now, especially the Weller 12, which isn't it. This and this isn't an expensive bottle. You could find this real easily, but the Weller 12 is a is one that's pretty highly sought after. That's also pretty inexpensive, yeah. if you can find it. Um, but uh, what do you guys think? I like it. <clears throat> it's real sweet. I give it a three. It's very sweet. Mm-hmm. 2.5. 2.5? 2.5. It's right there in the middle of the road. I love sweet bourbons. I love sweet, fruity bourbons, and that's exactly what this is to me. Do you like gin? Uh, I used to drink a lot of gin. Uh, I don't drink as much now because of the bourbon. But Yeah, because like gin's gin. a lot of fruity flavors. Yeah, all those junipers. It's like... Um, I only like gin mixed. Mm. Yeah, a good gin okay. by itself. Like I used to drink a lot of gin martinis and stuff when I was first like drinking. Because I thought it was fancy. But. We've all been there. Right. <laughs> I was like, man, I was like, I can't, you know, when I first started, I couldn't, I had a couple of bad experiences with bourbon. And so I was like, I can't do bourbon anymore. How did you, what are those bad, bad experiences that you had? Just mixing them too much with whiskey sours. Mm. Just so too much bourbon. Too much bourbon. Oh, okay. It's okay. called not moderation. Yeah. <laughs> It's called getting drunk. <laughs> it's hard, it's hard, hard to learn. You know? It is a hard lesson. <laughs> it's a hard lesson. You learn it a couple of times. Learn it every couple of years. I really like the, the Weller. I do too. Like, I would buy this bottle and keep it stocked. Yeah. I'm going to say it's like a four for me probably. Yeah, I'm right there with you, a four. It's very sweet. I like it. Yeah. It's an easy drinker too. So, like, for people that aren't bourbon, the we did the last week we did the Green Dot. Uh, Irish whiskey, that's an easy drinker mm. if you're trying to get into bourbon. This would be another inexpensive bottle. This is less, way less expensive than the Green Dot bottle. Yeah. But Super sweet, it, pretty smooth. My m- Caveat on my score, given get a 2.5, I'm in a beer mood right now. Like That's all I really want is just beer. Now, I poured me a little bit to do the whiskey review. We appreciate it. Um, hey, tell us about the beer you're, you're drinking, Cliff. Oh, it's uh, we're gonna do a beer review. <laughs> Not a full review, just uh, just a quick summary. Smells like Texas Freedom. Okay, <laughs> Texas isn't free, but it tastes like Texas Freedom. Okay, and it's a Lone Star. <laughs> Is that About your beer choice for the fridge? Eight, eight, eight bucks a twelve pack. Yeah. Pretty dang cheap. It's like 70 cents a beer. It is. I don't know. I think it's... I don't remember the price. Um, it is my my fridge beer. Mm-hmm. That's the one that I typically buy. Occasionally, I'll switch over to Coors or Miller. Yeah. What's your fridge beer? Do you have a fridge beer? Mm. Guinness is mine. See, I only like Guinness if it's coming off of tap. Well, they have those new nitro... Not new. They have those nitro cans that are pretty cool. Yeah, I uh, agree. Guinness on tap is much better than I've never. Can. I've never tried the nitro can. They're good, but I've had Guinness from the bottle and it's crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not from the bottle. You, you gotta get nit- it from tap. Yeah, tap. I even like Guinness. Yeah, it's so like it's like drinking chocolate milk. If you get it mm-hmm. right, it's smooth. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Especially with I that nitro. Have a, I actually have ability. a uh, certificate that says I'm certified Guinness pour. Yeah, from Ooh. the Guinness factory in Dublin, Ireland. I would like that. It was mm. a fun trip. All right. All right, guys. All you right. guys ready to get into a hunting and fishing podcast? Yeah. Versus a drinking podcast? <laughs> Let me uh, ask our questions. Uh, first question. How is Ian such a renaissance man? Oh, Ian. How are you a renaissance man? Ian, how are you a renaissance man? 
<clears throat> oh man. Do we um, think Ian's a Renaissance man? I don't even know what that means. A uh, man of many talents. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ian, how many talents do you have? More than ten? <laughs> is ten the number? I mean, I oh yeah, dude. Line. I have more than a hundred, but oh, none man. of them are good. Heck yeah, that's a Renaissance like, man. I've yeah, heard one. like I'm not good at anything, but you know, Ian, um, I, I'm going to put you on blast a little bit. Um, I think that the the one thing you need to make that title where I could like, I would like title your Instagram subheader Renaissance man is you need a dog. Yep. Oh, I thought you were going to say you need a wife. <laughs> I'm kind of relieved. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, man, you can be a Renaissance man without a wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's In fact, true. It's probably preferred. <laughs> um, we, yeah, I think a dog would complete the uh, the Renaissance man. Yeah, I, I can't think picture that's true. a Renaissance man in my head that doesn't have that a dog. doesn't have a dog. You know what I, I mean? would say? Or bunny. I appreciate. Or yeah, bunny. I would, Ian <laughs> in his bunny farm. You know what? If Ian were just to be that guy walking around, putting his bunny in his car with him, just chilling, you know what? Take He'd his, own it. That's a true Renaissance yeah, man. Taking his something bunny and owning for it. a walk. Yeah, at dude, the park. Ian owned the bunny with coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get the dog. Take the bunny out. <laughs> Sorry, you ain't going. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I do need a dog as well. Um, you know, I'm not going to toot my own horn. So, what's the next question? <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather hunt three three coyote sized hippos or one hippo sized coyote? Oh, I mean, like hippos are pretty dangerous. Yeah, but if they're the size of a coyote. I would I don't say know. I'd say a hip, one hippo sized coyote, hippo sized coyote. Yeah, yeah. that'd be a <laughs> massive trophy. That'd be. be a huge coyote. Plus, I'm playing Assassin's Creed where I can ride a wolf, and I feel like I try to mount mount it. Yeah, kind of cool riding a coyote around. Um, the next question was: Should Landon grow a mullet? Yes, one hundred percent. Yes. Yeah, the answer. Who, who wrote that? We'll never know. Dude, I feel like mullets are coming back. Like, I saw a guy with a mullet, and it looked kind of good. And I was like, dang, dude. I could do the uh, the mullet and stash combo. Ooh. Dude. I can throw it back. Oh, I the Kentucky waterfall. Yeah, I get those Viper sunglasses, too, from Oakley. You guys want to see a sweet picture? No. But, yeah, I think mullets are... Uh, Are coming back. What do they I call it? The uh, guys. the Missouri Compromise. Who's Look that? at that mullet. Is that you? That's me as a baby. Oh my gosh, that's great. Check out that mullet in the back. I had a mullet when Is I was that your kid. dad? No, no, it's not. I'm not gonna mention <laughs> who it was, but not my dad. Just some strange man holding <laughs> you. He's but, like, "Hey, look at this baby I found." <laughs> um, let me go to the next question. But yeah, I, I you know I could I could try growing out a mullet. Yeah, dude, I'd give yeah. it some thought. Who is the most likely to try urban hunting in a suburban neighborhood? Uh, Cliff. Oh, Cliff, Cliff Coward, hands <laughs> down. Yeah, I have no interest in urban hunting. I'll urban fish all day, but really, yeah. no interest in urban hunting. Nah, it's not worth it. If I was Wait, taking okay. you my you throw up a tree stand in a backyard. 
Like a San Antonio backyard? No. I would all day long if it was legal. Nah. That's the caveat. Like I like how people. I like how we all voted Cliff, and then he's arguing with Zach. Like you wouldn't throw a tree stand up in your backyard. That's why we picked you, Cliff. <laughs> exactly. Like it's a normal thing to do. You telling me downtown San Antonio you want to put a tree stand up? Cliff, uh, well, you, some you, of those deer in like you even, uh, Hollywood Park are nice. You even got on to me after I killed that deer in town and didn't get a salvage tag. Well, apparently they don't do that here either, but. That's the story. That's sto- I'll have to save that story for uh, another day. I think but we've told it. No, I haven't told it on the podcast yet. I've been saving it for a special <laughs> moment. It's my best story. I can't throw all my cards out in the beginning. But yeah, I think uh, I can't do that. I would totally urban hunt if I could here. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything wrong with it. You gotta be safe. I'm not saying go out there willy nilly and just launch arrows mm-hmm. at everything that moves, but if you got permission to hang a tree stand or hunt from a deck uh, i'm all for it yeah all right um what do we have next guys uh, no more questions no more questions oh yeah you guys went hunting yep yeah who wants to go first zach and cliff are fresh <clears throat> off hunts you can go first all right so yeah uh had a duck hunt um it's a good good time it was cold yeah um i was definitely duck hunting with i started with rain went to sleet to hell or hell to sleet to snow all within a matter of like 30 minutes Mm. um was definitely sub 30 degrees bundled up um went out two days um didn't have much luck on the first day but the second day we had a little bit of movement until it started coming down pretty heavy with some rain um and at that point birds just kind of hunker down as Mm -hmm. well like there's a certain point ducks like rain and wet weather but there's a certain point in where it's like thick heavy rain where they just stay where they're at they don't necessarily fly they'll Uh hunker down and just swim and play in it um so that's when we ended up calling it quits but of the group we had three guys and we all got at least one bird Uh um which is pretty good for essentially a two-hour long hunt yeah yeah for sure what was your biggest lesson learned from this trip like, what was your biggest takeaway? Or what would you do different next time? Honestly, nothing. It was a good It was a good trip. Like, everything that was within our control was pretty dialed in. Things that I would do different is check my gun um, because it jammed again like it's been doing on other hunts. But yeah. I'm getting a apart for it i'm gonna see if that doesn't fix mm-hmm. it um gloves gloves are highly in my future <laughs> oh yeah was it cold it was do you not have like cold weather gloves <clears throat> so i have cold weather gloves but they're not like waterproof mm. necessarily um so they will soak up 
like the rain and stuff that was getting on them. Yeah. And then they wouldn't have worked at all. Yeah, like once they get wet, it's just like you just have cold hands. Right. So I'm I'm probably gonna get some new gloves soon. There was something else on my list of things that I figured out I needed, but I don't remember what it was. So it must have been something I just thought I needed and don't really Yeah. Don't really it's like, oh that'd be but cool. gloves gloves are definitely going to be in my future, I have other gloves for like deer hunting and all this other stuff, but I didn't have anything for wet and cold. Yeah. I just have stuff for mm-hmm. cold and maybe a little bit of rain, but yeah, that much. rain was way it more. Was, yeah, it was sleeting. It was just everything was soaked. Uh huh. But <clears throat> talking about that, hey Zach, you remember a couple episodes back um, where I ate the duck heart and you said that you would if mm-hmm. we had one? I didn't say that. Really? Swallow it whatsoever. Mm. So I <laughs> was oh trying gosh. to force it down, and it wouldn't go down. And I was gagging at the same time, like. <laughs> and eventually. Wait, can you do that again? Uh, <laughs> eventually, other stuff came up, and like I actually ended up like throwing up, and the heart came out and landed on the ground, and I was like, "Well, I guess that's done." Wait, are we playing a soundbite? Yeah, we're playing yeah. a soundbite. No, I'll oh, okay. write a passage. <laughs> I still went the next day. You didn't eat the duck heart, though. Nah. I'd like to see you put a raw duck heart in your mouth and swallow it. Yeah, I haven't tried that. Yeah. I'll cross that bridge when that comes. Exactly. But you know what? I probably see? Do. haven't tried a duck. The thing is... <laughs> <laughs> you didn't eat the duck heart, though. Nah. I'd like to see you put a raw duck heart in your mouth and swallow it. Yeah, I haven't tried that. I'll cross that bridge when that comes. What are you trying to get at? But you know what? I probably will get it down. <laughs> yeah, I probably get it down. <laughs> so what I'm getting at, Zach, uh-huh. is hold on real quick. Oh, I'm not putting a duck heart in my mouth right now. I didn't kill a duck heart. I don't earn it. I have this uh, this nice little wood duck here on the table. For, for those who would like to know, he has brought out a whole duck, not just like, oh, I cut this duck heart out for you. No. So, you know I'm not going to eat a duck heart. That yeah, but why would you? Why would you play like you would? Like I'm some sort of a pansy for throwing it back up. But now you have an opportunity, and you don't want to do it. <laughs> well, because I didn't kill that duck. That was the caveat. I had to kill the duck in order to do it. I didn't earn that duck. Plus, that duck. Wait, you ate a live duck heart? It's been. In why are we freezer. talking? <laughs> Luckily, and had you cut the duck heart out and put it in the freezer. Oh my god! I'm gonna I'm gonna get myself. I will eat a sliver of a duck heart if you do that the next time. You take it out and put it in the freezer eventually. So that's where you're lucky because this duck is frozen solid. <laughs> because I did not want to clean it when I got back, yeah. so I just tossed it in the freezer and I forgot about it until today when I came up with this idea. Yeah. And then I pulled it out, but feel it. It's still. Oh, I don't need to feel it. It looks. Yep. It looks like. It looks like a wooden duck that you've glued feathers to. It's frozen solid. Yeah. It's pretty. So, Zach, yeah, you are pretty. saying you would do it if he had a heart? I said, I, if or he... Or if you shot the, nec- the duck. The next time, still two more weeks in the season. The next time he gets a duck, if he immediately cleans it and takes out the heart and then puts it on ice to freeze it for me, I'll try it. Okay. Fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. But you got to take care of it. Though. I'm not getting sick from bacteria just because you... Oh, uh, that one's fine. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would still, I'd still try that one if it wasn't frozen. I can't get it out. It's like eating an ice cube. Just I can't breast yeah, see, it if out. It's frozen exactly. I just put it in my mouth. And be like, eh, it's a little metallic-y. I can't breast it out to even get the heart out. <laughs> I tried. I even took my knife to it, like trying to pop and just like the feathers, it. and it's no. not working. It's no. too too hard. Man, you were pretty passionate about that, Cliff. I know. I was like, dang, it's coming. I out was wondering there. what you were getting at. You remember when you said that? No, man. No. I don't <laughs> I'm going to get you a duck heart. In my ear, out the other. I'm going to get you a duck heart. Okay. I don't remember half the things I've said on this podcast. No, so one of these either. days, Cliff's going to come up with some weird thing I need to eat. So I he said sat I there try. and stewed on it after he said it. <laughs> <laughs> Cliff stews. He was stewing on my whole uh, on Onyx it, thing. It, it, especially that, because I was like, I don't share my public land spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like funny, right? Because like anyone can access it, but you don't share your public land spots, <laughs> even though it's like that land's supposed to be shared. I will say that there is an there is an effort finding the good spots, though. I would mm-hmm. tell I would tell you a place, but I'm not going to tell you like the spot. Like mm-hmm. if you wanted to no. hunt, if you wanted to hunt, and you told me what you wanted to hunt. I would point you to a PHL or a WMA or something like that, and say you need to check out. Somerset for Dove, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to tell you where to go set up. Yeah, I mean that's on your own at that point. Mm-hmm. If I was going, people out, need to earn that. If I yeah. was going out there with you, or if I knew like you weren't like a huge hunter or something like that, and it's like I just have an afternoon, I might would mm-hmm. for depending on what it is. Mm-hmm. But it, as soon as you're, I mean, we're all friends and stuff, but you are also competition for me as well. <laughs> oh, Dang. man. Cliff's a savage. Well, it sounded like your whole effort in the duck hunt was to just get Zach a heart to eat on the podcast. Yeah. You know what? If I can be that muse for you, I'll do it. Um, yeah. Zach, how was your hunt? It was great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I joined up. We do this annual hunt. My family, uh, stepdad, his friend that he works with, and then my uh, new brother-in-law. We all went hunt. It was uh, it was good. Where'd they, you guys go? South. I'll San Antonio. Just south. <laughs> <laughs> no, South San Antonio, uh, near Victoria. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they went out. What were you guys hunting, week. Zach? Do what? What were you guys hunting? Victoria. No, like what animal? Oh, okay. oh, I'll get there. No, yeah, what animal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so man, deer and hog. Um, yeah, mm. so it was good. Uh, they've been out since Wednesday. I got out there Friday after work, and it was kind of nice. I woke up sa- Saturday morning, went out. I had my new rifle, which is a little single shot, um, Encore thirty out six, and. Um, yeah, first time hunting with a rifle. Saw a pig. The second the lights can't like the sun kind of lit everything up. Took him down, and then not thirty minutes later, a doe came out. A group of does came out actually, and uh, they started running around. And then they kind of like spooked off and ran off. Could and you also. only shoot does out there, or could you have shot a buck? Uh, spikes were also allowed, but mm-hmm. um, the way it worked is uh, the the people who like own the property they send somebody out with you. If uh, if you are going to go for like a like a management buck or a spike, but I told him I was like I'm just going for me. I was like just I know what I'm shooting at, mm-hmm. you know. And um, 
So, yeah, so I got the hog down. It was a big hog, too, probably like 160 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 30 minutes later, a group of does came out. They spooked off, but then they came back. And um, I did What spooked old, him, do you think? <laughs> I shot him first. <laughs> oh. oh, that's a pleasant detail. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I, um, I got real nervous because I was like, oh, you know, like the hog was just kind of like a bonus because I wasn't really out there for a hog. I was out there for deer mm-hmm. or for doe meat. And uh, so for whatever reason, like the pressure didn't get to me when I shot at it. But when that first group of does came out and I was like, okay, here's the moment, you know, and you were uh, psyching yourself up in your head, psyching myself up. Yep. So I went up and all of a sudden they started moving and uh, I was like, okay, she's going to be right here. So I kind of like led her a little bit and waited for her to get my crosshairs and I pulled the trigger and she had stopped and then ran the other way. So that bullet, like it literally went right, right in front of her. Mm. Um, and so maybe three minutes later, though, the entire group came back and they, I was able to watch them for a little bit and then they started heading off. And then I did one of the little whistles, you know, like the, and uh, she perked up and then I got her. Nice. So, yeah. And it's my understanding you're pro- you process everything on your own I on did. this trip instead I, of doing a processor? Yes. So uh, only got the back strap out of the hog. Uh, but then process the dough. The only thing is my shot went, like, she was quartered away from me. You didn't get the tenderloins? Do what? You didn't get the tenderloins off the hog? No. Hmm. They didn't want to go through it. You messed up. I know, probably so. But um, I know which sucks because I didn't even get the tenderloins off my dough either because she was quartered, like, kind of, like, away from me. And so the bullet happened to go in just. Blow, blow them out. Yep, exactly. And, um, so yeah, but it was the nice thing is, you know, whenever you're on a hunt trip like that, especially if other people aren't getting their animals to knock everything out, kind of like the first session you go out the first time you sit, it was just kind of like, it's bad form. Yeah. Then you play guy the rest of the weekend and make other people feel like shit. (laughs) Yeah. I did not do that. Fortunately, no. Uh, cause you always feel bad for the people who don't get anything, you know? So you landed (laughs) the what? Do you always feel bad when people don't get something? Yeah. I felt bad when you didn't get anything when we went. Really? Yeah, because yeah. the whole point is like collectively we want to be success- yeah. successful. You We're know? splitting meat. I felt bad because I was only getting half a deer because you couldn't get the job done. <laughs> <laughs> See how I flipped that around I back on you? That. <laughs> I was trying to be That's why I felt bad. That's why I felt bad. That's great. No, but all in all, it was a good trip. You know, it's just fun being out there family. Yeah. And um, nice, relaxing. Yeah, we had a good easy. time. Yeah. Yep. Made some good Axis burgers that night for everybody. So nice. Uh, uh, so Ian. you shot an Axis deer. I was thinking no, whitetail. No, no, I shot a whitetail. My brother shot an Axis like about a year ago. And um, so he got some ground. And so I was able mm. just to uh, make up some patties and grill them up for everybody. Yeah. Hey, Ian, didn't you go fishing on like the horrible weather day? Yeah. Did you land me? Um, no. Yeah. Um, dude, so I went fishing at the Guad on Sunday. The drama loop? And I hadn't been there all year, and I was like, this is like the worst day possible to go fishing. I'm going to do it, which was a bad idea. Um, so Landon and I had plans, but he had something else going on. So um, I drove down there. We were going to go to the Lano, but. Yeah. Um. 
Anyway, go on, go on, Zach. Yeah, so uh, I drove down there, got to the, <laughs> oh my gosh, anyway, got go to on, the guad around ten, parked. I went into a fly shop, which I will not mention, and the dude was like, no joke, like, like asleep. <laughs> like he was like sitting in the chair, and there was no one there. All the businesses were closed, and I walked in, and his head was kind of down, and he was like, oh hey, <laughs> and I was like, what's up? <laughs> um, I don't know if he was really asleep, but bought some flies. Um, uh, got on the river, walked pretty far, and man, I saw some really big trout. Like, and I was doing the water was really low, and I was kind of doing like a hopper dropper with like a zebra and like some split shot on there, and uh, it actually was not, um, they just weren't taking it, man. And I only bought like hopper dropper with zebra. I had no other flies on me, which yeah, is probably true. error number one. Yeah, I probably should have tried me before we went. It's like, Hey man, do you have some flies from me? Like, yeah. yeah. I got you covered on trout flies, dude. Yeah, exactly. And so I didn't have any trout flies. So I, I was like digging in my bag trying to, I don't know if you guys have ever like been like, man, would this fly work? But, um, I only fished, it was for anyone who's not in Texas, it was incredibly cold that day and it was rainy. So I probably fished for about three or four hours, um, and then got off the river and it was starting to snow. Kevin, it was really was, cold for Texas that day. It was cold for Texas that day. Was there was cold. two guys on the river. Um, I'm wearing like all my gear. Uh, like rain jacket, hood, like fleece. And these two guys yelled. This is the best part. They yelled. So we're not the only crazy, explicit, explicit people on the river, huh? <laughs> like they yelled at, that at me from like 50 yards away. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, no. And I was like, have you guys got anything? And they're like, we haven't got explicit, explicit. And I'm like, okay. Um, and I was like, what are you guys casting? And they were throwing... Uh, they were using zebra midges too, man. It just didn't pan out, but it was fun, and it was fun because no one except those two guys was on the river. Yeah, it. I mean, it was possibly the worst day. And the one thing I will say about this is, if anyone's asking, of course, be safe. Don't do anything stupid. That's the disclaimer. But I've caught fish on crappy weather days, and if you want to fish alone in populous areas, that's been my strategy, mm -hmm. and it's worked out. Yeah, for Fishing sure. in the rain and the snow. It is cold. Wear your gear. Uh, don't Like I said, don't do anything stupid. Be safe. But um, you you can catch fish even on crappy days when you'd rather sleep in. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, Ian, quick recap on your skiing trip. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um yeah, everyone's like, where are you? And I kept switching locations. Um, <laughs> where are you? Um, so I was just up in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado with my family. So we kind of go up there every few. Um, we usually go up there a few times a year. So uh, if you don't know, it's the home of Colorado State. It's a really cool town. It's not like um for if you've never been there it's just like a normal college town um this episode is brought to you by the nhl on tnt when it comes to hockey the stanley cup playoffs are built different experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it 
from now through June on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure, and agony as teams go head-to-head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through the pain is the name of the game. With so much edge-of-your-seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your jersey. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs now on TNT and CBS. This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour Voice Remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at coxcox.com slash contour. Did we lose him? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. Hello? Okay. We went up to Snowy Range Ski Area, um, which is near Laramie, Wyoming, um, and skied for about two days. I have tried to snowboard, and I suck at it, but I do like to ski. So we did that. It was really cold. A lot of the lakes were frozen over. Saw a ton of mule deer. And I was sending Cliff pictures, and then we later confirmed that's what they were. Um, So a lot of mule deer. Just I love Wyoming, just being out Mm. there. So I just skied with my brother. He snowboards, um, hung out there. It was nice to be outside. Um, uh, I didn't see anyone fishing. There were some streams that weren't frozen that I'm sure that you could catch trout in. But, I mean, it was cold, cold, like. We were skiing in 12 degrees. That's cold for me. I don't know if that's cold for people who live there. But it was 12 degrees, and we had, like, all kinds of crazy layers and jackets on and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Cool, man. Didn't fall off the chairlift, which I'm proud of. Um, Is that a normal occurrence? uh, It has been in the past. Mm Saw a guy skiing in boxers last year. Um, when it was 12 degrees, which apparently is like a machismo thing, like for really seasoned skiers, they'll wear like shorts and no shirt. Huh? Really, yeah. Like, like their first you know time how, on the mountain or something like that. You would just, you just wear shorts. I saw a guy do that and I was like, what the heck? And I was talking to someone on the chairlift. This is not during COVID. This is last year. And they were like, this is in 2019. <laughs> and the guy was like, there's a lot of people that live in the mountains and they just do it as like a. I'm tough. Look at me. I can handle 15 degrees with no, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like how we can handle the heat. Like if it's 105, none of us bat an eye, but people in Minnesota are like crying. (laughs) So yeah, that's it. Yeah. Cool. Ian. thanks. Well, I think we're, uh, Oh, that reminds me. Um, I don't think I mentioned this on the podcast, but we were talking about it before. Our, uh, fish mask stickers are in a fly shop now. So yeah, yeah. if you guys uh, want to go over to Real uh, Real Fly, shout out out in Satlet on the Guadalupe, pick up some of our stickers. They will be there soon, probably by the time this episode releases. But you guys can go in there and, and pick them up there too. So shout out to those guys for picking up some of our stickers. We're we're real excited to to have them in the shop. Oh yeah, no, that's great. Um, you guys ready to rock some articles? Let's do it. Who wants to go first? 
Uh, I think Cliff should go first. Are you ready, Cliff? Yeah. All right. Whoa. So, my article today is going to be fairly short. What's it about? It's about lemurs. Oh, I love lemurs. Yeah. Like Zaboomafu? Yeah. If y'all remember a few episodes back, I did one on how uh, lemurs were going extinct or something. I don't remember. Yeah, it was another lemur thing. Yeah. Um, but this one is good news in the lemur world. Uh, a new lemur and lunger species have been described. A newly described species micro... Wait, what is, before you go on, what does newly described species mean? I think it means it's a species like a new species is found and they're just like getting it described in how it's different from others. Okay. So they thought it was another type that's been around for a while, but then through further research and taxonomy stuff discovered that it's mm-hmm. not the same species. Correct. Yeah. So a newly described species, my micro Cebus So M I C R O C E B U S J O N A H I and mouse lemur, the smallest primate genius the monkey, the, the, I don't know. I'm not going to do the Latin stuff anymore. It's uh, fun to hear you try. It is like it, yeah. You shouldn't give it, up on your dreams. Great. Just keep going. Sound Just it keep out, going, bud. Yeah. Lemurs are considered one of the most endangered animals, with roughly 98 percent classified species threatened with extinction. Scientists officially described a new tiny and adorable species, Jonah's mouse lemur, a, or <coughs> that first Latin word I tried to say, the Microbus jahani, named after the respected Malagese prim, primatologist Professor John Ratsimbazafi. I don't know. Uh, the lemur was first captured, uh, researchers first captured this pocket-sized primate during a survey of northeast, northeast Madagascar in 2006, which this is a 2020 article. Okay. Um, Reese, uh, Madagascar in 2006. To study mouse lemurs in the wild, uh, the team... Patiently search for eye shine through the thick, dense vegetation of eastern rainforest at night. So essentially, they were spotlighting. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, they briefly captured a few mouse lemurs at the Man- Mananara National Park. Um, scientists have recently improved ways they use genetic analysis along with metaphor 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 and other characteristics to of closely related species to help decipher taxonomy uh, relevant differences the papa langar 
uh, also described by scientists this year using similar methods. So that's another one. Um, conservationists estimate that there are only about 200 uh, individuals of this species right now. Okay. So new lemurs. New lemurs were discovered. N- discovered in Madagascar. Yes. And described. And described. And they... Oh, spl- that one's cute. <laughs> they spotlighted <laughs> them, and they think cute. there's less than 200. Yes. Hmm. Very interesting. That's the highlights. I, my question is, like, why, when they discover a new species like that, what's the reason it hasn't been discovered I don't so know. far? I think, I think things just keep on changing. Mm-hmm. There's so many... I mean, there's... I actually read about this a few years ago. There, there's so many parts of the world that are just like crazy wild. Like there's still uncontacted people groups in South America. Mm. They, there's not many of them, and usually it's between twenty and a hundred people. But I think in the U.S. we're just like, oh man, how could you not know? But I, like Papua New Guinea is pretty wild too. And yeah, Brazil and uh, just the Amazon and stuff. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cool. Thanks, Cliff. Mm-hmm. Cliff's cool conservation corner. C4. C4. I'll go next. Cool. All right, here we go. On patrol, game wardens returned nearly 48,000 pounds of illegally har- harvested oysters to bays. This was published on December 30th of 2020 um, by Kaylee Venable. Um, this is a story about Texas game wardens. Um, and their efforts to um, stop illegal harvest of oysters, okay. basically. Um, Do you have to have a permit to harvest oysters? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Not, not, but not a license. No, I think it's a commercial license. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, this was happened in uh, Aransas County. Uh, more than forty criminal cases during a four year during a four day operation. For targeting illegal commercial oyster harvesting, okay. so this was like a big operation they put on. They they sent more resources to help do this. Um, game wardens returned 436 sacks of oysters weighing 47,960 pounds to bays. And this particular article uh, mentions that all these efforts and oysters were in San Antonio Bay specifically. Dang, okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, 47,000, basically 48,000 pounds of uh, undersized oysters were returned to the bays. Um, They're critical to the sustainability of the state's reefs, uh, ecosystems, and future harvest. Basically, like, they filter the water. So they're really important for everything that goes on there. Future oysters, redfish trout, shrimp, crabs. um, They're really important to our ecosystem. Oysters are huge, yeah. Yeah. Like you said, they filter the water. I... Uh, I don't think this article said, but I read somewhere they they filter. It, it's almost it's an like unbelievable amount of gallons, gallons of, per water, day. of water yeah. per day. Yeah, and I don't want to misquote it, so I won't say it. But um, it, it's almost an unbelievable number of gallons of water per day that they filter. Yeah, I actually watched this video about this guy, like went to an oyster farm and how they actually like grow them and release them and stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So they grow them in an oyster farm and then release them into, like, bays and stuff like that? Yeah, they grow them to, like, a certain size. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the size they grow them to is very, very small. It's, like, the size of, like, a pencil tip. And then they put them in, like, these cages and they put them in the bay. And that's how they're actually, like, reclaiming parts of this. They were in uh, 
the New York Harbor or whatever that bay is right mm-hmm. there that the Brooklyn Bridge goes over. Oh, that's interesting. They're stocking oysters. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, very cool. And they're like reclaiming the land. And they said that actually they're, I'll have to pull up the article or the video to kind of uh, get better data, but they said that with their efforts, they have been able to actually see like more whales and stuff come through that bay. And they used to be there like a hundred years ago before all the uh, the oysters were over harvested. Yeah, uh, and you, you you think they filter the water that brings more like microorganisms in that brings the shrimp in the crabs in all that stuff. The shrimp and the crabs bring bigger fish, and then that brings you know yeah. it's just like a whole big cycle. That's so cool. Um, the okay, Af- so I have, do have a question though. As normal like people who aren't commercial fishermen or whatever, mm-hmm. can we get oysters? That I don't know. This okay. one specifically references just um, commercial. Commercial. Okay. I'm sure that you can probably get a license somehow to somehow. get a handful. You may be guaranteed some with your, your with your fishing or hunting license. Yeah. I should have looked into that, but that question didn't think cross my mind when no, I pulled this article. I'm just curious. Um, this operation was conducted from December 14th through 18th and included assistance from U.S. Coast Guard, uh, County Sheriff's Office, uh, in two different County Sheriff's Office. Um, game wardens made 12 arrests for possession of undersized oysters from oystermen who had two or more prior convictions. So the arrests, basically, the arrests that they made were people who have already done this. Right. Before. Repeat offenders. Repeat offenders, yep. Um, it, it talks about what the citations are and what misdemeanors that there are for. I won't get into that. Um Oyster season runs from November 1st through April 30th along the Texas coast. Uh, Compliance with regulations is typically high at the start of oyster season, but more undersized oysters tend to be harvested as the season progresses because the reefs thin out. So as the oysters become harder to find, then that's when people try to keep undersized oysters. So as the the season, season goes on, when there's less big oysters... Correct. Hard, 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 and to get them. This is kind of interesting. Um, measured along any axis, oysters must be three inches or lo- or larger in size to be legally harvested. Um, oystermen are required to cull and return undersized oysters to the reef. They were taken from through uh, undersized, though undersized oysters can legally make up a percentage of the hard- harvest. So what that means is they can have a certain percentage of oysters that are undersized in their overall harvest. The amount of undersized oysters um, that can be harvested was reduced from 15% to 5% in 2017 um, as a uh, conservation initiative uh, because of their their role in the ecosystem. So basically, 5% of your total oysters can be undersized. Anything more 5%? than that, 5%. Have you seen total. those rings that people use to um, to size them? Mm-mm. It's pretty interesting. It's like a plastic O-ring, essentially, but it's hard. And they just pick up an oyster, and they just see if the shell goes through it or not. If it goes through, they, they toss, it, toss back. it back. Oh, so I just looked it up, though. Um, anybody in Texas with a valid fishing license with a saltwater endorsement can uh, take oysters for personal use, but they cannot be sold. Okay. So. And there's no limit. Um, I haven't got there yet, but for sure there is a season though, uh, Monday through Saturday. So don't you be going out on Sunday getting oysters <laughs> from uh, November first through April thirtieth, okay. sunrise to three thirty. Very cool. I didn't know that. I might have to get some oysters. Yep, have to be three inches or larger. Okay. Um, 
and, and this this is interesting how they to check violations instead of basically instead of going through every every oyster which would be a huge time suck for people investigating right they uh, they check oyster sacks so for every 20 oyster sacks they count one bag or for every 20 sacks they count one sack and they apply that average across the whole board <laughs> gotcha for how they for how they check um, it's funny you mentioned sacks uh, so people can have two sacks of legal oysters um, which is one sack is 110 pounds of oysters. Okay. That's a lot of oysters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, you'd probably never hit that much. Yeah. Um, are you done? Linda? Almost. Okay. Um, Jarrett Barker, assistant commander of fisheries enforcement, at Texas parks and wildlife said there appears to be an increased compliance this season that is not directly related uh, to the enhanced penalties, but rather the COVID-19 pandemic. So there's the new penalties with the 5%, but COVID-19 actually reduced the amount of illegal oysters harvested this season. Restaurants closing in March, oystermen saw a sharp decline in demand. Mm-hmm. Um, and since the demand for oysters is down because of restaurants being closed and open to reduce capacity, there isn't a market for legal oysters, thus no need to get illegal oysters. Right, so there's no, there's, you can't argue like, oh, but there's a demand. It's like, no. Correct. Well, and it, they didn't say what previous year's numbers were, but it sounds like this, with, with the way the article reads, is what it's, it was significantly less illegally harvested oysters than what, was than what has been done in, in years past. Do you guys so, like oysters? I do. Not a huge fan. I like them a lot. Yeah, they're pretty good. I did too. I, get, I like them Rockefeller. I get really weary on them. Fried? They're not fried. They uh, like cook them. They bake them with they Rockefeller. Bake them. Feller. Yeah. But they, I get, I, I really like raw oysters as mm-hmm. well, but I get really weary on them, so I don't eat them as much yeah, anymore. You, Especially with being a type 1 diabetic, like, it's just... It, they, they tell you have to think about things te- a little bit differently. They tell us actively not to eat raw oysters because but I do love. Why that. being diabetic and eating raw oysters? What's the connection there? I have no idea. Is it because of the bacteria that they can get mm-hmm. in oysters, and your body might have a tougher time fighting it off? Correct. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I do like raw oysters. I like oysters Rockefeller. I've like. Any way you cook them, yeah. I, I really like oysters. That's, I like pre- all seafood, like oysters, clams, uh-huh. mussels, uh, scallops. I don't think I've that. had clams or mussels. They're good. How they're, are they different? How do they taste different than oysters? They're kind of like a mix. I've only had them cooked, but I would say they're a mix between an oyster and a scallop. Like not as slimy as an oyster, but not as firm as a scallop. Kind of in between. Okay, kind of like a mussel. They yeah. all kind of taste the same, or do they is. Oysters, I say, but I mean, like, I've only had oysters raw, and they're, like, definitely, like, salty, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you te- you you get that sea taste out of it, mm-hmm. but they're kind of, like, slimy, you know? Like, it's a whole texture thing. But they're not they're not fishy at all. No, it's weird. It's, like, it's like salty, but not fishy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You put a little bit of... Which uh, is interesting, too, since they're, like, a, a filter. They're a filter. They filter so mm-hmm. much water. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you'd think they'd be real fishy, mm-hmm. but no, they're good. I'm kind of like you, though. And the thing is, too, like, I'm never with anybody who likes oysters, and so I'm like, I'm not going to get a whole place It's always myself. hard, too, because, like, they say only end them, or eat them in months that end with R, or have an R in them. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, because, like, during the hot months, like, May, June, July, August. They kind of cook yeah, before you can get you, them. 
you don't want them. That's when they're at their peak for bacterial like issues. I guess it makes sense. Like in the summer here, that's mm-hmm. when like the uh, Gulf is mm-hmm. so full of all the bacteria. Mm-hmm. But I think months with R's in them, they're supposed to be really good. Okay. And I hear the er months are better, like September, October, November, December. It's like once the water starts to cool down mm-hmm. a little bit. That's your prime time, but any months with an R, so February, uh, January. January, March. Get some oysters right now. I can eat them. Yeah. Let's go do it. I know. Let's do it. Man, I'm down. Are you ready to do your article, Zach? Yeah, let's do uh, You want to do Ian? Real quick, though, uh, I searched uh, Waterloo mm-hmm. for uh-huh. Ian since we don't have Jamie here. Uh, Waterloo was the original name for Alston before it became Alston. So oh, that makes sense. He, he was correct. That's cool. That. There you go, Ian. You're slowly becoming a Renaissance man. <laughs> Just Dude, I'm on my. <laughs> I got to get a dog and then start like a weird hobby like craft brewing. Not that that's weird anymore. That's like mainstream now. But yeah. Um, you got to make it. All right. Start pickling things. Yeah, exactly. Like, I built my own canoe. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Then build me a canoe. Yeah. Or just a canoe paddle. I'll, just a paddle. Yeah. yeah, just a paddle and paint it. You know? You, just, yeah. you start out small. So start out with the paddle, then do the canoe, and then do a, a bamboo rod. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Only fish with and out of things that you have made by hand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, that's the ultimate hipster. <laughs> Do you remember, Cliff, one time, uh, listeners, I sent Cliff a picture of a net, and uh, it had no net. It just had the uh, the oval with the handle, and Cliff is like, that is the most hipster blank ever. <laughs> he goes, if that's, do you remember this, Cliff? I You're like, not. if that's real, that is the most hipster thing ever, like netting a fish with no net. <laughs> I do not remember that. Sounds like yeah. something you would say, though. All right, All right. Ian, you ready for your article? Ian, you up? This Let us is play from National. Let's get your sound bite. <laughs> Need things in nature. That's pretty neat. <laughs> I don't know if we can do it if we say it. Like, why can't we have the audio, but we can say it? That's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. I don't know. I could probably get the permission. We're just, like, being safe. Better be safe than sorry. It's kind of like how, uh, what's the, the music listening app that tells you what song you're listening to? Uh, Shazam? Shazam. Yeah. Like, Shazam doesn't know when I'm singing it, but it knows if I play, like, an actual clip. I forgot all about Shazam. Yeah. Like, that used to be a big thing. All right. <laughs> Email us if you actually still use Shazam. <laughs> Dude, I use Shazam. What the heck? <laughs> like, I used Shazam yesterday. <laughs> and email us. Yeah, Ian, email us. You're not exempt. <laughs> all right. Need things in nature yet? What's up? Chairs making my butt go to sleep. Uh oh. Did it play? No, we didn't Cliff's anything. butt? We didn't hear anything, Ian. <laughs> Did the clip play? Because I can't hear him. Yeah, no. the clip played. You can't oh, hear yeah. it? Okay. No, I can't hear him. It doesn't come through. Oh. Oh, no wonder he always starts the article when we play the, yeah. the sound bite. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Um, This is titled... Actually, man, I've got two as well. Dang it. Um. Okay. I don't remember if we've covered this on an episode, so if this is a repeat article, I apologize because I have a cache of them, but this is from National Geographic, and it's titled, 
animal or alligators make terrible pets. You're basically dealing with a dinosaur. I I haven't heard this before. Have you heard of this? No, No. I haven't. No, I'm excited. Okay. Tell me about Uh, that. A rise in the abandoned reptiles across the United States, including two that were found in Kansas Creek, raises concern among experts. Um, Basically, what people are doing is getting like baby alligators and they're like, oh, they're cute or they're capturing them. These are probably Florida people, no doubt. Um, but people are capturing them and then they're, they're getting really big. This, this specific instance from national geographic is talking about, um, in Kansas, there was two gators, um, that they had, uh, at the state zoo in Manhattan that had previously been like illegal pets in Manhattan. um, That, in Manhattan, Kansas. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and not the Manhattan I was thinking of. No, <laughs> no, not Manhattan Island. Um, and they're basically living in pools and like bathtubs. But then you know, alligators get huge, right? Like, yeah. so it's become like a it's become like a massive issue because basically these animals are growing to the size where people can't control them. Um. So there was a great article, or there was a great quote. Um, in recent years, wildlife officials across the nation have noticed an uptick in alligators abandoned. This is a direct quote from the article in parks, creeks, and other public places. In 2019, six pet alligators went on the loose in Detroit. (laughs) One was shot to death (laughs) in Detroit. Yeah. And in August of uh, 2019, the New Mexico Department of Game and Fish seized an alligator from a Santa Fe man who had kept the animal illegally for 10 years. That's crazy. Um, this is the best part. Most gator pet owners are unprepared to care for an adult animal that can reach 14 feet and live 80 years. No, it's, like a, it's a family heirloom at that point. Yeah. Um, Russ Johnson, the president of the Phoenix Herpetological Society, said, when that cute baby gets bigger and less manageable, the owner faces a real conundrum. It's not like he's owning a dog or a cat. You're basically dealing with a dinosaur. Um, Yeah. So people are putting animals in their bathtub or alligators in their bathtubs, and they're getting huge. And some people are trying to care for them, and some people are letting them go into the wild because they're probably obviously embarrassed that they have an alligator. And there's alligators that are roaming around like urban areas in the country. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Have you guys ever seen that movie Lake Placid? Mm-mm. Betty, oh, spoiler alert! Betty White owns uh, like these all these little baby crocodiles and. Let's it wild in her like family lake and gets huge and eats people. It's crazy. It's Betty White film. Betty White yeah. is the old lady who owns the alligator. Dude, Betty That's White amazing. is so I'm old. Have to watch that. It's it's like prime, uh, awful movie. You know what I mean? Like it's like like a solid B movie. Not what you say. It's, it's like a C movie. It's like so bad it's good. Yeah. You know, and it's got Betty White in it. So yeah, that's like bonus points. Oh yeah. But it's good. Do you guys do you guys like to eat gator? Like gator balls and stuff? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I do as well. Yep. I'll eat any reptile. Mm-hmm. 
Cliff's gonna take me up on it now. Yeah, no, Cliff's, to, Cliff's, Cliff's, Cliff's Cliff makes a note. mental note Cliff's any like, time hey, I say anything. On episode 25 at a minute and eight minutes into the podcast, Zach, quote, I will eat any reptile. <laughs> Cliff next week brings in a lizard. <laughs> All right, here you go. I'm on my way to pet smart, right? I didn't have to kill it. I just took its tail. <laughs> All right, guys, are you guys ready? Yeah, ready. All right, here we go. Very nice. All right, so... This week, I bring you the Beast of Bladenboro. We did have a listener write in a bunch of suggestions for Creature Watch. Yes, and I this is one of those, and I definitely appreciate it. Yeah, so shout out. Right, so, uh, okay, the Beast of Bladenboro, or the Bob, as they call it locally there, it was attributed to a string of deaths in Bladenboro, North Carolina, in the winter of 19... Oh, wait, wait. Okay. You guys we know? got a hint. Yeah. 1958. Uh, okay. 1919. Okay. Ian, what do you think? 1902. Mm. 1953. So you're very close. 53 to 54 was that winter. Uh, now, mainly it was animal deaths. Uh, dogs, cats, large creature, or like large other animals in the area. Um Early reports said that it was a large creature with these this dark black skin and about five feet long. They uh, think it has like the face of like a large cat, but its color is what throws them off. They don't. They've never seen something with that dark of skin and fur uh, that big. Now there's like a, how dark? Because like like black, like pitch black, like panther, like panther black. Some people actually believe it might be a panther. Okay. Um, now, some weird things, though, that make these attacks different than just like normal big cat attacks um, are things like they would find animals that were crushed to death. And, uh, of course, just like chupacabras, they don't have any blood in their system at all. Um, they would actually find dogs that were crushed in their own kennels with the doors closed again. And uh, interesting, is there like any real evidence for this? Because so all this is true. Like these animals definitely died, uh, and they would actually found them. Uh, the animals decapitated as well. Any pictures or anything? Uh, there are pictures online. Yes, this sounds like the most interesting lead. I think for a creature watch we've had so far. Right, like it's as pretty far as like actual hmm, creature, actual creature. Yeah, go right? on. Um, so yeah, they you know they were doing investigations. They were checking out all these animals. Um, they just found so many dogs and cats and stuff, just kind of like maimed. It was not not great. Um, but like I said, they all had their blood drained and their bones were smashed. Uh, many sightings were that winter, and they said the beast also had a long tail that was about the length of its body. So it's about five feet long with a tail that's four to five feet as well. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it could have been the night playing on these people's minds, but uh, that's what some people noted. Um, some people said that whenever they saw one, there was always another one right at about half of its size running along with it. So there's like a big one and then some sort of smaller one with it. They don't know if it was a baby or a mate or whatever mm-hmm. it was, but many people reported saying two with that size difference. They say it's about 80 to 90 pounds, and like I said, they think it's a cat-like creature. What's weird, though, is that many people have said that its roar or its sound that it makes sounds like babies crying, like human babies crying. Hmm. So they'd be out in the wheel uh, in the woods, and they would hear the sound of like babies just crying out there, like in the pitch black. 
Mm. So I guess cats could kind of sound like that. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. But still, it's just it'd be kind of creepy, especially if you have it in your mind. Like, oh my gosh, They're, it's a baby. You know. Yeah. Um. So after several of these deaths, a group of hunters of about like 500 of them and their dogs went out to slay the beast. Now, one hunter who was separated felt a sudden feeling that he was being watched. So he quickly turned around, and obviously nothing was there. So then when he refocused and started heading the way he was going, he saw the creature staring at him. And uh, what he did notice was it had dark black eyes as well, and he said he felt like it was evil. Uh, like it was something just kind of waiting for him to make a mistake or to trip, and it would be, you know, kind of like the end of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he pulled up his rifle, but the second he did, uh, the monster was gone. So the other hunters shot and killed a large bobcat, and uh, they felt that that was the beast. They thought, like, oh, we killed this bobcat. That's it, kind of like in Jaws, right, where they mm-hmm. kill a tiger shark, and they're like, oh, we've done it, we've done it. Um, but a few days later... They, set, they found more another dog that had been decapitated, and according to locals, it looked like it was some sort of ritual thing. But that wasn't confirmed, and there's not really any pictures of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of weird. Uh, it was just in that short winter, and uh, they haven't really seen anything since. Um, the town does have a festival called Beast Fest. And uh, it's just kind of to commemorate it and also to hope that the monster never comes back. So, that Dude, is it. Dude, Beast Fest sounds awesome. I hope there's, like, bands that play as Beast Fest. So, this sounds like the most compelling creature watch I think I've heard so far. It sounds like the most true. Correct. There's probably some fabrication in there. Right. Um, where did you say it was? North Carolina. North Carolina. Bladenboro. Okay, so, and you said it was 50, the winter of 54. 53 to 54, yeah. And they did not have any other sightings after that. No, I couldn't find any, no. Okay. Could be a panther. Like I said, people think it's a panther. They say it might. Like, very realistically, could be a panther, because panthers, Yep. Carolina pan, like, panthers are known to have been there. I wonder if the Carolina panthers are named after this guy. No, I think the Carolina panthers are named because they're, Our like, panthers, panthers are- like, North Florida. Um, I think they're like historically Panthers, like North Florida in that area up that coastline. So that makes sense. Um, I didn't think about that. But so like in my mind, if there's historically Panthers there, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and I imagine the Panthers were like hunted out is the reason they're no longer there or extremely rare. But if people at that time period weren't used to seeing them, it very realistically could have been a Panther. But that doesn't explain why stuff was crushed and... Decapitated, decapitated, yeah. like weird, weird deaths, weird right. stuff. But like you said, that over time people tend to, you know, exaggerate. Right, exactly. Stories and how does on. one hunter get separated from a group of five hundred, where no one else witnessed? That's another. Yeah, that sounds like a fabricated part of the story. Right, but I could very well see a panther in the area killing other animals like house yeah. pet house house pets and stuff like that. Right, like dogs that with are maybe out. a baby panther right. next to it. And yeah. the way I'm picturing a panther in my mind, they have long tails. Yeah, right? Like their tails are very long. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like all of it adds up, you know. Yeah. Interesting. I like that one. Yeah, me too. So, thank you for that suggestion. Uh there's a few more on there that I'm excited to look into. 
Um, but this one was the first one that stuck out. But yeah, me. keep sending in your suggestions. Yes, everybody, send in your suggestions for Creature Watch. I really enjoy looking into it and, uh, yeah, doing a little research on it. All right, guys. All right, so our main topic for today's podcast was listener requested by Joel, and it's how to stay warm in the outdoors, whether you're hunting, fishing, backpacking, camping, skiing. Like, what are some go-to tips and advice to, to staying warm? And I think this could be a pretty – there's a lot of different ways to think about it, but um, what do you guys think to start off with? Layering, for sure. Layering, yeah. yeah. I say don't be a b- don't complain (laughs) we're all cold no layering that's key yeah start out with a good base so okay so let's break down layering for people that 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 don't know layering is basically carrying multiple items of clothing with you and either adding or subtracting based on the temperature or what you're doing Mm -hmm. so what that means if it if you're being very inactive and maybe not moving around a lot, you're going to want to add layers because your body's not moving, you're not producing heat, so you might want to throw an extra jacket on or throw, like, you know, a vest on or something to add layers because you're not being active. But if you're hiking, if you're on, like, a you know, an elk hunt and you're constantly up and down mountains hiking, you know, you might take some layers off because you're moving so much and producing heat. You're right. going to get hot. You're going to sweat. And you don't want your clothing to be drenched in sweat. Yeah. So you don't want to overheat. And then when you get to a spot where you may be looking out, you're going to, you know, before you do that, you might throw a jacket back on because you're going to be inactive at that point. Right. Like if you're hiking to the river, a lot of times I'll shed a layer. But then once I kind of find my spot, yeah. I'll throw it back on. Yeah. Because it usually. And you get in the water and yep. with your waders and everything, and yep. you get cold. And so what some of those layers may look like is, you know, typically you'll have a base layer. Uh, and this I, depends I usually on, do wicking for my base layer because key thing, no cotton. Yes. Yeah. Cotton for a base layer. Even when we're talking about like cold weather stuff, I generally don't even wear cotton in general. Yeah. yeah. No, because like it, it, it's, it's too hot in the summer and then in the winter, if it gets wet from your sweat with all your other layers on, it will get you colder fast it doesn't dry fast no it doesn't do cotton, anything well cotton doesn't dry fast it's comfortable it, it's comfortable it holds moisture in mm-hmm. whether it's sweat or you know rain or whatever or it's even gonna, water i mean like if you're water, out fishing and you yeah. accidentally dunk your arm or if you dunk mm-hmm. your waiter for a second you know that's gonna not dry that fast and even if it is wet it doesn't maintain its warmth because no. you know there's other materials like wool that maintain like 80 percent of its warmth even while it's wet. So if right. you are unfortunate and take a spill and you're wearing something like wool, you are still be insulated. Now, you're going to be cold, but you're not going to be nearly as cold as you would be right. in cotton. Yeah. So your base layer is going to be like a wicking material. I think kind of across all industries, skiing, um, backpacking, fishing, everyone kind of agrees merino wool is the go-to because yeah. it pulls moisture away from your body if you have it. Um, so it'll pull it to the outside layer and then, you know, it dries quickly and maintains. And it's real, or it's super comfortable too. It's very comfortable. It's not itchy. So merino wool 
is from a sheep in New Zealand. It doesn't have barbs on the actual hair like traditional wool does. That's why wool's itchy. It has barbs on it, and those little barbs, like, irritate your skin. So that's why people, like, think of wool. They think of, oh, I'm going to be itchy. Merino wool does not have barbs on it, so you don't get that itch. It is a little more expensive. It is the most expensive option. Yeah, but I would say, like, realistically, I have one decent wool base layer and i have two like two or three pairs of wool socks and i rotate out my socks because they typically get wet the fastest Mm -hmm. but then if you let yourself dry out especially that merino wool i think there's like that um what is it the property that keeps it relatively bacteria free yeah it's got it's antimicrobial yeah thank you so you know you don't get the bacteria build up on it so it doesn't start to stink and that's something to think about when you're hunting um uh, I know there's, like, some other, like, Patagonia makes, like, capling base layers. Cliff, you have some of those, don't you? I did. I don't use them anymore. Okay. I use uh, Icebreaker now. Oh, yeah, so Merino had, wool. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of good luck with those. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I can go into, like, what my setup was for the duck hunt because, I mean, I was clearly in cold weather conditions. Yeah, let's talk about, finish talking about everything, and then we can talk about what we, we like what we most. like the most yeah. for what we what we do. We might, like, put an outfit together for maybe each thing, like a hunting outfit and a fishing outfit or something like that to kind of walk through it. Um, but um, there's, like, your other base layer options are going to be, like, a polyester type yeah, most of mine is like that, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like the dry wicking material that's like, um, you know, like Under Armour makes it or yeah. whoever, you know, like the, um, I forget what they're called, like polyester or whatever. Yeah, it's it's probably like a polyester thing. It's, yeah. it, it wicks well. It's a lot cheaper than Merino. Yeah. Um, um, so it's it's a good like price point option. It's not warm though. Layers. It's 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 I put that on to keep sweat off, and then I'll put something thicker or warmer over the top of mm. that. Um, a, a layer you might put on top of that would be like your insulating jacket or mm-hmm. a vest, and then you can get a lot of different types of like insulating jackets. Um, um, you can get like polyester fleece. Um, yes, if you buy fleece, buy a good quality fleece because there's a a push right now because fleece is made up of man-made materials like plastics, microplastics. Mm-hmm. And every time you wash them, especially the cheaper they are, it releases a ton into our water system. Interesting. Yep. So yeah, that's, you know, lean more towards natural materials if you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, and like I said, I've, I haven't done a ton of research. This is just kind of like, I've noticed that there's some companies making a big push because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but I fleece kn- is cheap and warm. I I know uh, Orvis is making fleeces out of recycled oyster shells. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's on- good unless you're allergic to shellfish. <laughs> 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 um, uh, fleece too. The more you know, if you're looking for warmth, you want one that's like got a high uh, uh, pile fiber, so it's. Uh, it's hard to kind of describe, but the almost the fluffier the fleece, the warmer it is. The bad thing about fleece is wind cuts right through fleece. So if it's super windy, you know, and it's a it's a cold wind, you might cut through. Then you can have like Cliff's wearing one. It's like a gridded fleece, and the way the grid works is it's it's like a waffle of material, 
and it traps heat in each little waffle square, basically, so it helps keep you warm there. Um, but then you could have, like, a material, like, down or, like, a synthetic, uh, like, like Prima insulation, Loft. like Primaloft. Yeah. I'm wearing a Primaloft jacket right now. Yeah, same here. The the major, like, he's got a Howler. I've got a Sitka. I've got Orvis Primaloft jackets. I've got Patagonia Primaloft jackets. It's kind of like an industry standard because, again, it's it's lightweight, packable, very warm. Yeah. Um, down is technically warmer per, per like weight. Correct. But if down gets wet, especially for us like who fish, if it gets wet, it will do you no, no good. good. You Whereas have to keep it dry. The other day I was out fishing. It was probably like 45, and I got my arm soaked up to here uh, getting a hook unstuck off a rock. And it was wet, uncomfortable, yes, but my arm was still relatively warm uh, the rest of the fishing trip. Yeah, yeah. Um, but – also, if you want to buy natural materials, uh, down is going to be your natural material yeah. purchase in that category. Yeah. And then on top of that, you might throw some kind of shell on that's going to keep you dry. Or break uh, the wind. Or break the wind, which would be like a Gore-Tex shell. Every company has a waterproof shell. Yeah. You can buy wading jackets. You can buy uh, duck hunting. I know uh, you have a duck uh, uh, hunting jacket um, that's a Gore-Tex shell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, every company makes basically every variation of what we're talking about. So, right. Patagonia, North Face, Orvis, Sitka, Sims, um, Arcterix, the list goes on. Right. Makes every variation of all the jackets that we said. So, you can pick pick what you like the best and uh, and what you're using it for. Yeah. And, and do your and research into there. your companies because, like, as weird as this, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I'm the type of person I like to make sure that I'm buying from an ethical company. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I buy down, I make sure that it's down that's sourced the right way, you know. Now, unfortunately, down comes from geese, you know, or, mm-hmm. right, yeah. Geese. geese or duck. Or duck. The animals have to die. Yeah, but under feather. Yeah, but they, you know, certain companies do it in a certain way versus, you know, other ones. So, just look mm-hmm. into it, you know. Another company that makes this stuff, Marmot, um, is, is another good option. Just to give you guys some ideas to get out there and research. Mm-hmm. Arc'teryx is a good one. Arc'teryx. I have a couple Arc'teryx jackets I really like. Um, And then same thing for your bottoms, you know, uh, base layer, you know, some kind of pant. My legs typically don't get as cold as my upper body. Nope. So I will usually layer lighter on my legs, Um, but that's up to you as well. Uh, Waders are another thing to consider if you're duck hunting, if you're fishing. Um, Waders for sure. And waders are sold in different thicknesses, and the thicker they are, the warmer they're going to be. And different materials. And yeah. different materials. And, you know, duck hunting waders, a lot of them have insulation. And they don't breathe as well as, like, fly fishing waders. Mm-hmm. No, they do now. That's oh, do they? Misnomer. Yeah, they make breathable waders for duck hunting now. They're a little bit more insulated than your standard fly fishing. They're, they're more uh, insulated than, than the encounters, but I think, like, the pros... Would be pretty similar. Pretty similar. But the pros breathe really well. Yeah, and so do some of the duck hunting waders. Um, but a lot of guys still go towards neoprene. Yeah, which is the warmest. A lot, yeah, it's but a lot that warmer, doesn't breathe at all. Correct. Yeah. And if you get any sort of it makes you sweat, and then it just slides and sticks, and so definitely stuff. have a wicking material <laughs> if yeah. you wear the neoprene. The hardest things to keep warm are your feet and your hands yeah do you guys double air socks i do not but i do wear thicker socks so i have like a sock system as well mm-hmm. um and depending on the weather it depends on how thick you have yeah i have correct. some like 
cold, cold weather socks. Then there are the merino wool, and then like you know, middle of the road, and then like hot day. And by, wool. and by what I mean like that, by that is I have like my everyday socks that mm-hmm. I wear in their standard sock merino. I wear merino wool socks every day, Dang. but um, uh, I use merino wool socks. But then I have a couple extra pair. That are a heav- heavier weighted one, mm. and then I have one pair that's heavier than that, and then one pair that's even heavier than that. Gotcha. And it's, I mean, those are thick, 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 thick. yeah. Uh-huh. And I will use those like if it's like ten degrees, really, really cold out. If I know it's gonna be really cold, I'll uh, wear like ski socks, like merino ski, ski socks that come all the way up to the knee, mm-hmm. too. Especially if I'm waiting. That's a pro tip if you're waiting because. If you're waiting, you're at least always going to be up to your knee, and it's much, much colder yeah, in the water. Cold. Yeah. In the water. And I'll wear, like, uh, polyester sweatpants if it's really cold and I'm waiting mm. under my waders. Yeah. Because they're just really thick. You're not being super active. You might be walking from spot to spot, but then you might fish a spot for a while and then get cold. So I'll, I have a pair of underwater pants that are fleece-lined yeah. as well, and they... They're what saved me this weekend. Yeah, as far as legs go. Um, gloves are a hard one. Gloves are the hardest, I think, because if you're fishing, gloves are going to probably get wet. If you're duck hunting, gloves are probably going to get wet, and or you might need to take a glove off to shoot or to blow a duck call, or you can't cast well or have good line management. Yeah. Fly fishing with gloves, so hands is a hard one. Um, but I've mentioned this tip on the podcast before, but I'll do it again really quick. When I'm fishing and I'm wearing gloves, if I catch a fish, I take my gloves yeah, off, for sure. put them in my waders. It's better fish handling um, because you're not removing the slime coat of the fish. But I'm keeping my gloves warm in my waders. I also bring like a little hand towel and just shove them in my waders. I'll handle the fish barehanded. Yeah, my hands are going to get cold but I'll release it. Then I'll dry my hands off with a towel and then put my gloves back on. And usually my gloves are warm. It's nice to put my hands back in there. Um, but they have like a lot, a lot of guys I know use wool gloves fishing. Okay. That seems yeah. like a bad idea. They swear by it. I've never personally tried it, so I'm not going to poo poo on it. But like a lot of guys and some guys I know that like steelhead fish and they're fishing in legit cold. They use wool gloves. Like thick wool gloves. I mean, I guess the idea is your gloves aren't going to get wet, so it wouldn't matter. But if those wools got wet. But wool still is pretty warm when it's wet. So I think the argument is if they do get wet. um, Plus, realistically, if my gloves get wet, it's not the end of the day. Like if my, if if I sink my waders, I'm I'm going home. But. Done that before. Yeah, same here. Went swimming in waders on a cold day. My fishing is over. Yeah, but if my hands get wet, I'll take off my gloves and just have cold hands for the rest of the day. Just kind of tuck them in whenever I get a chance, you know. Hand warmers are nice, too. Try a little left-handed cast and everything. I don't... (laughs) I've used those hand warmers in the past, but I don't necessarily like them. They don't work well with me for some reason. They work great for me. I I think uh, I just fidget with them. Just put them in my pocket and... I always get like the discount hand warmers, and so they never work that well. Mm. I need to buy like the real stuff. When you ever want them to, they're always sold out. When you're like, "Oh, it's gonna what be do you cold," think about it? Yeah. yeah, and you go and buy them, they're I always need to buy them this summer. They're almost sold out. <laughs> yeah, they're always. Sold I gave out. a whole pack to your dad. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Mm. When we were up there, but what I normally do is 
I'll just stick my hands in my pocket if they're getting cold. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, cool. I think we covered that pretty well. Same thing like hats. If you guys need to wear a hat too, um, but just just think about it. Layer, I think, is the best thing. Mm-hmm. Instead of buying like one jacket that has everything in it, I would buy your pieces individually and layer. Yes, it's going to be way more advantageous for you, um, and you can you'll be a lot more comfortable. For sure. On hats, I go more of hooded method. I like a hoodie. Mm. Uh, like a jacket with a hood mm-hmm. on it over like a beanie. Mm-hmm. I can't wear beanies. So I'll just wear my normal hat, which is normally a trucker of some st- style. And then I'll throw a hood up over the back of it to get warm. And then that way I just convertible it if I start to get hot and then it dissipates quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think... We covered it pretty well. If anybody has any follow-up questions, like more specific, we we spoke pretty generally. But if you guys need recommendations or want more specifics, um, we're we're happy to help and just send us a message and we'll we'll pick back up on it on the next podcast. Um, Ian, do you have your closing words of wisdom, Mister Renaissance Man? Uh, um. Yeah, I do. Let me pull them up. Oh, them. <laughs> Multiple words. Yeah, there's a few. Multiple words. Um, if you're fighting a dragon, bring a fire extinguisher. I like it. What if it's an ice dragon? <laughs> Probably hitting the head with the fire extinguisher. You, I mean, you bring a flamethrower. <laughs> bring a flamethrower. If you're fighting an ice dragon, bring a flamethrower. Those are the words of wisdom. Okay. <laughs> So bring a fire extinguisher and a flamethrower. Yeah, to every dragon fight. Yeah, exactly. Don't leave home without them. (laughs) (laughs) I like it, Ian. Thanks, guys. We will uh, see you all in the next podcast. Good evening, everybody.